It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Chad Hymas, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you very much for having me. Well, you're so welcome. The pleasure's all mine. I've been looking forward to this podcast, which we've had a few uh, bumps along the way. You are a very busy man. and uh, But, you know, like I said to Leslie, your amazing assistant, just before I said, we're exactly where we need to be right now. And so everything's happened for a very specific reason. I, I want to start off. What does become your own superhero mean to you, Jen? You know, it's a, it's a great way to start the message. It is. I, um, if you think of some of the greatest superheroes, artificial, that we watch in movies of all time, Laban, who comes into your mind? I mean, just. Uh, Superman. Uh, superheroes. Aquaman, Batman, Superwoman. And one of the people that I kind of relate to really well is a guy that uh, wore a cape. And when I was a young kid, I watched him on TV and he flew through the air and we called him Superman. And that guy would end up at age 41, be on a horse because that's his passion. The superhero that I watched through movies Superman 1, 2, and 3, right? And he would be on a horse and break his neck and become completely paralyzed from the neck down. Not, I have some movement, but I'm still numb from the neck down. I, my hands are numb. You can see that. And, and, uh, and I can't feel them. Uh, but this guy at age 41, this su- superhero of mine broke his neck and lived for another 10 years having everybody else around him care for his every need. So ironic that this is the title of our podcast today, because I, you know, when I'm having rough days, I look at, you know, and he's been gone now for a while. Christopher Reeves is his name, played Clark, Clark Kent in the movies and all the movies, the Superman movies. And uh, I just, uh, when, when, when you become your own superhero, I think you become, like those superheroes that you try and emulate those superheroes that you try. And I don't know that I can relate to him too much because I never did wear a cape or fly through the air like he did. But when he broke his neck, he became real authentic, genuine to me. And um, sadly we lost him about 10 years later uh, and lost his wife. Sadly, just after that, I think she was more heartbroken than anything because she lost the love of her life. But we lost her to, secondhand smoke we lost her to lung cancer and so now they're together in a better place which is kind of an ironic uh, uh, ending and a love story but that said i i love the title of podcast i don't know that i've ever been part of a podcast and i've been part of hundreds if not thousands of podcasts that, that kind of hit me right off the bat with the title of podcast because i i when i think about becoming my own superhero i want to become like those that i'm hanging around and, and pick those people very carefully uh, because they're going to make me who I am. And so Christopher Reeves was like that for me for many years and still is today. I think about him a lot. I miss him. And, uh, and I think he did a lot of good, not just for spinal cord research, but, you know, he went on to make three more films without the use of any legs or hands. All he used was his mouth to direct and to delegate and to instruct and to share expertise. So it's quite, uh, 
quite soothing today and and I think quite fitting that we have the title of our podcast being uh you know being your own superhero. Yeah, it is. And never a more fitting guest I think, you know, from the 170 that have been recorded and the 150 that have been released, you know, I really do think Chad I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. I want to uh I would love for you to explain a little bit more about who you are. A good chunk of the audience only listen to this via the podcast medium, so they, they don't have the opportunity to see you just now. For those that don't know who Chad Hymas is, are you able to share a little bit about your story? You bet. I am just an average guy that uh, has big, lofty dreams, hopefully like many of you, and um, I've always wanted to live kind of out of the city in the country. And uh, about 25 years ago, Shondell and I moved out of Salt Lake City, Utah, to a rural area about an hour and a half out of Salt Lake and began our dream of building a ranch, a farm. Uh, I don't know if that's too many people's dreams because it's not a big moneymaker dream, but I had a little offset to this. The dream was to raise elk, which is a different type of an animal to raise. Um, uh, It's a... It's in the deer family. They're, they're animals that um, are majestic and beautiful. And I wanted to raise elk on eight, 900 acres, release them in the Rocky Mountains on about 20 plus thousand acres and have people want to come out and help me, let me allow them to get close. In other words, I, want, I wanted to be there. They call that a guide, a guide. So we, we can tie that in several ways today, but I always wanted to be a guide for the people and get them close. That's what I thought a guide was wear the camouflage clothing that blends in with the pine trees and the aspen trees, have the elk scent on you so that you can get close and get people like you close to where I don't care if you shoot the animal. I'm not out for you. I just want to see you shake because animals are majestic. They're massive, right? They're, they're massive wild creatures. And so I want to get you within 15, 20 yards. That's the, that's the goal. And uh, I didn't have the money to buy all that ground. So I just started a construction company, which I, knew from my high school days, and six years into building that dream, I made a mistake out on the farm one night while feeding and uh, ended up having a, a bale of hay that weighs more than most vehicles that we see out on the highway, uh, flip over backwards from being 15 feet in the air and land on me while I was sitting on the tractor. And that punched my head through the steering column of the tractor, and that shaft that holds the steering wheel in place went through my mouth, breaking everything in its path. This has all been redone and it broke all the bones in my neck and it severed just a little over 90% of my spinal cord, which rendered me what you see today. If you're able to see it, for those of you that can't see it, I did lose my feet. I lost my legs. They're still there. I just can't feel them. I lost the midsection, at least the use and the feeling thereof. I lost every one of my stomach muscles, which is what all of you use to keep your balance when you're sitting on a couch or some sort of a table, chair, or bench. And I lost two out of my three chest muscles. I lost all 10 fingers in my hands, and I lost most of the strength use in my arms. The movement that you're seeing is shoulders, which allows me, ironically, to push. I push using my shoulders, and that's I have good feeling in my shoulders. And that's where my new life was to begin. And that took place, Laban, that took place 22 years ago, coming up shortly on 22 years. And ever since that happened, with some ironic opportunities that came my way, I have found a new meaning to the word farming and guiding. Um, I used to think that 20,000 acres was a big pad. Most would probably say that's a pretty good pad, pretty good sized pad. And I found that that's a pretty small pad compared to where my tires on my chair had taken me. They'd taken me to 89 countries all over the world. And I found a new way to be a farmer. And I'm far- not to say that I don't still live on the farm. We still live on the ranch today. And I enjoy it to, to an extent, I, I do. But more so than that, I enjoy people. Love people. Love spending time with those that want to learn, grow, scale, strategize. Love that. And so I found a passion that I did not know existed within me and found out that I didn't need to wear camouflage or cowboy boots to be a farmer. 
So as you see me today, I'm wearing a hoodie because it's a little cold out on the ranch. I'm not wearing your typical cowboy clothing. I'm just, you know, in the office and in the studio and uh, and uh, farming a little bit differently today on something they call a podcast. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Chad. And, and uh, I kind of expected the humility to take a hold. There's there's more to you than than that. You're wrangling humans now, <laughs> uh-huh. and you and you've wrangled humans to a point where you've been acknowledged as one of the ten most recognized people on the planet with regards to your transformational speaking. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You can correct me if you like. And that 89 countries has been you sharing this message. Could you talk a little bit about that journey for us? That's, you know, that's a very sensitive topic. One that I'm not against sharing, but I, uh, I kind of, it kind of shows another side of me. I, um, it just so happens that I, I come from a Christian family and, and my wife and I raise our kids in that faith, but that doesn't mean that we're better than anybody else. I, I want to make sure we're clear on that. I, but, but that's, that's our, our, our faith, and which doesn't mean anything for today. What is important for today as it pertains to that belief system is after my accident and returning home from the hospital several months later, the last place I wanted to go was to my faith. So my wife took the two little boys to church on Sunday and I chose to stay home and watch the NFL on Sundays. The last place I wanted, the last person I wanted to talk to was God. The last person I wanted to be close to was God. That's the last place I wanted to be. And I certainly didn't want the congregation to look at me on pity. So I stayed away. I just, and my wife was understanding. Shondell was, she was good. She just, it hurt her, but but she understood. She was she was patient, benevolent, kind, all those things. And so while I was going through this time of staying stagnant and watching the NFL, every so often on a Sunday, the pastor of our church would come over to the house and invite me back to mingle with people because those very people in the congregation were taking care of hundreds of animals around my ranch. Did you see? In other words, I was doing nothing and they were donating their time every day, feeding hundreds of elk, fish ponds, feeding them the fish food, taking care of the horses, because we had all this going and we hadn't sold anything or done it. So they were coming over to help us out on their own time. And I hadn't seen them. I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to, I, I felt ashamed of my, my mistake in the field when I had that bell of hay. I just, and I didn't want people to see me for what was my new body. I was embarrassed of my new circumstance. And I just didn't want people to feel pity for me. So I felt staying, living the life of a hermit was better. And one particular day, the pastor came over and he said, the people of our congregation deserve to hear from you. Not a Christian message. They just need to hear thank you because they've been serving you for several months and not one thing back. And we're not asking for money. We're not asking for diesel fuel for their tractors. We're not asking for any. They just want to see you. And you might be able to help some people that are going through much dire straits than what you're going through. And you don't know that. And a pastor knows that because he's interviewing these people in his office. But I don't know that. So reluctantly, after several months, I go and I I do as his request with only one objective, and that is just to show face and say thank you. That's all. That's my only objective. And I show up for one hour, and they get me up on that pulpit and have me a microphone to say thank you. That's what happened. Hundreds of people in the audience. And after I was done with my, I think I went on for 20 minutes. I don't think I quoted a verse. I don't think I said the name Jesus. I don't think I said the name Buddha. I don't think I said the name Islam. I didn't say anything religious at all. I didn't. I just wanted those people to know how much I truly did appreciate them. And it was humbling for me. And I didn't know quite how to pay it back or to. I just and I just went on for about 20 minutes. That, that, that's after I was done. I don't think I even said amen. What did happen is when they finished the meeting, a guy came up to me, dropped to a knee, 
and said that he was having his business convention the next week in Las Vegas that he owned. And he wanted me to speak at that and put leadership into it. And he would teach me over the next four or five days how to do that. Sounded stupid to me. Sounded, didn't really want to do it. But he took care of the airfare. He had my dad go with me. My Not my wife. My dad went with me. And that was the first speech I ever gave for 60 minutes with some cheat notes. And then he had me go to his other 40 branches in the U.S. He had 40 other, 40 plus branches. He even paid me, which sounded stupid. And that's when I learned maybe I could contribute, which says something. And I don't mean to talk. Forgive me if I'm rambling, but look at how long I prolonged that opportunity. That's what I want. I want you to look at that. I prolonged that due to my own lack of desire to change. I prolonged that due to my own pride, my own self-absorbed, you know, worried about me instead of the desire to go find someone else to contribute to. And so while I'm grateful for everything that's happened, and I don't want to take away from that, I am grateful. I often think about there is so much out there for a lot of us that are going through challenges and struggles. And our own worst enemy is us. And I, I delayed that for way too long. And uh, I often think about that when I'm tired on an airplane, or maybe I'm thinking I want to get home and I'm, can I cancel this last week? Or can I cancel the podcast schedule for today? I'm kind of tired. You know, and I think, wait a second. I don't want to rob from other people. I don't want to stop farming. I, so once I get on a podcast, I get on my second wind, or once I get on, I get my second wind, we're good to go. And then I'll rest tonight. And that's what happened. I, I can't explain it. A lot of people want to get into the speaking world or the podcast world, or you know, they, want to, they want to. I did not want this. I did not ask for this. I did not pray for this. I didn't, I didn't desire it. That's how it happened. And I can't, I can tie everything I've done the last 22 years. I can tie it all, Laban, to that one event at the church house. I I, I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. It is unbelievable to most. And certainly, I know it's true because I lived it. I saw it with my own eyes. I witnessed it. But it's hard to convince others sometimes that, you know, that there must be something greater out there, whatever you want to call it. I really don't think he cares. I'm just, I, I'm just, I don't think he's overwhelmed with what we call him, you know, whether it's Allah, Buddha, you know. God, the father, the eternal light, the sun. Source, whatever. Source, yeah. I don't think he cares. I really don't. He made people of all different kinds of nature. He loves us all as his children. I just think that he's wanting us to see our potential and to grow despite the challenges that are happening, which help us grow. And that's why he doesn't take them away. No one's ever climbed downhill. I mean, no one's ever climbed down. This is supposed to be an uphill battle. And so... I'm kind of on that team now, and I am a believer in that. When I say I'm a believer, it doesn't mean I'm a believer. I'm not saying that in the sense of being a Christian. I'm a believer in growth, and if that means that my faith has a piece to do with that, so be it. And I certainly, you, so you mentioned Leslie several times in your monologue today. I'm with her every day, and when I'm with her, I am better. She puts things, even when I'm skeptical or I get nervous or get, you know, I get, or, Maybe I need help transferring, or maybe I fall out of my chair in the office, or maybe I need a drink, or, or maybe I'm worried about, you know, business aspects. I mean, she really kind of puts things into perspective, and she has a sidekick and works with, along with a gal named Elisa. And I am with those two gals that they're not my spouse, but I am with them on the phone all the time. And I, that's what I'm talking about. I'm surrounding myself with people that when I don't believe in myself, they, they compensate for that lack of belief. I'd love to know if you know the answer to this, Chad. For the first 12 months after the accident, how many days out of that 365 or 366, if it was a leap year, how many of them you were angry at God for what happened? It's now been 22 years and I still get angry. <laughs> we were just being real right i get angry right so when i come home and i see 
Shondell out laboring in the fields and I can't physically help her. I have a chat with him. I have a chat for sure. But then I come to the realization of one, one thing that I've read and I'll share it with you now. And I'm not saying that our listeners have to believe it, but I do. So it helps me get through it. It goes something like this. Lean not unto thine own understanding. So when I'm watching her outside in the cold, feed animals or clean the garage or wash the car, mow the lawn, whatever it might be, that in my mindset, a man should be doing that. We'll have a chat and it gets ugly. Sometimes it gets ugly. It gets brutal. And I say things that I will regret. And I don't think there'll be a day in my life where I don't have an angry day. I think this is a catch. I think he's okay with that as long as we don't stay angry at it. Right? So there comes a point where you can be angry, but you don't find any resolve in that. When you start to surrender to doors that are opening, remember I was angry, so I stayed away from the church house. Again, this is not about church. I'm not trying to make this about church. I'm just saying I was mad, so I stayed away. Therefore, I denied myself an opportunity. I've never allowed or I've never had an opportunity come my way because I was mad. It's only when I surrender and say, okay, I need to go through this. I need to experience this in order to gain a greater perspective or meet somebody new or find a new avenue to solve a problem. When I go through that, then other doors open up. So I haven't mastered it, but those thoughts come to me every time I get upset. And it does happen a lot because I'm not able to go out there and tell the guys how to, let me rephrase that. I tell the guys how I want it done on the ranch because we have, but it very seldom gets done the way that I, that I would do it. So there's that frustration and there's that, you know, God, why do I have, why do we just, you know, why was my communication with Shondell? What, what did I not clearly communicate this? I mean, why did we not get this stuff ordered for the ranch? We need to be, and I just, so that's still going to happen because I'm not a, perfect person and we're all human beings and but I know not to stay there so I try and get out of it pretty quick which then takes me back to what we talked earlier I need to talk to people that help me get a greater perspective and they bring me right back down where I need to be and that's in the surrender position which doesn't mean that you surrender everything but but I don't have to be right and it's okay to be mad and I think that the big man upstairs is completely fine with it because it's during those times that I'm growing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm growing the way he wants me to grow. And it's probably some growth that I wouldn't have been able to get up in the mountains wearing camouflage. Amen. Amen, bro. I'm just saying, not that that wouldn't have been fun, but I wouldn't. And if I had to go back and change that, what happened to me that, you know, I hurt a lot of people when that happened. 52 people lost their jobs. I hurt my wife. I hurt my two little boys. I'm sure they were young, but I, I know I hurt them. I know I hurt my dad. I not, not disappoint. I just I hurt people because they were scared that I was going to die. Right. So I hurt a lot of people. And, and if I were to go back and change that in order to avoid that hurt that I caused to others and avoid the pain that I've gone through, some of the humiliating circumstances I've gone through. Um, other things that that, that that have happened and go back to the life that I dreamed of, I would have to forego this opportunity and everything that I've learned. And I'm not changing that. There's no way. I would never change that. So I'm still going to have the humility experiences. I'm still going to have the humble experiences. I'm going to have the, the challenges. And I just got to keep that right perspective. And it probably is, it's not going to happen that way. I'm not going to keep it, but I know to get there quick. So. I will, I can stay angry for a while, but I need to get back to, back to my perspective, back to the surrendering part. Well, we're lucky that he's a, uh, a, a forgiving God, right? And, oh, and, yeah. and I'm not, I don't identify with any, any uh, religious affiliation at this point in my life, Chad, but I've become one of the most spiritual people I know. And, and uh, I know, I know I've got some, i got a big guy looking after me. And uh, I mean, you don't have to be religious to be spiritual. I think you and I can agree on that. You do not have to be religious to be spiritual. Yeah. We're, we're spiritual beings having human experiences, not the other way around. We're spiritual beings. having. We're not, we're not human beings having spiritual experiences, although we do get those. 
we are spiritual beings having very human experiences, very, 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 very imperfect experiences. We are spiritual beings having human. I really love that. I don't think I've heard it phrased that way before. Not that I've paid attention to it. I learned that from Kevin Hall, who's a master storyteller and speaker. That's uh, the credit goes to him. We are spiritual beings having not human beings having spiritual experiences. That's that's not right. So well, and I, I couldn't agree more. Well, let me, you know, in the interest of transparency and in a, in a raw and honest conversation, which I absolutely appreciate and adore, by the way, I, I've had some stuff happen recently, and this is being recorded in in uh, November 2022 for context, where I've had four instances of people that I've had uh, handshake agreements with, looked in the eye, committed, have promised that they will follow through and and um, and and pay money to be involved in in some programs, some stuff that I've got going on, right? And all four reneged on me. And I went from what was supposed to be a fantastic month, which would have gotten me out of a very large hole, Chad, to having a $0 month. And I'm in a far bigger hole. And I've been on this entrepreneurial journey for over just over two years now. I grew up as a child of divorce and overcame drinking and drugs and gambling and philandering and autoimmune disease and limiting beliefs and negative self-talk. I've had to de-learn and then relearn a lot of those skills and behaviors. And the financial side of things was the last sort of hurdle on that journey because I grew up in poverty, which was not a problem, but where where the damage was caused, I grew up in a poverty mindset. So I've spent thousands of hours, it feels like, working on that part of me. And I, and I feel like I've just got it going and I'm giving of myself. I'm operating from a place of service and following all the Zig Ziglar's teachings and and all the people that have proven this in the past. And all of a sudden I get not one, not two, not three, but four things in a row that completely knock me off my center. And, and I hadn't thought through this question, so forgive me if it's a little bit rambly, but my my ask is this, how do I, how do I get out of this funk, this confidence that's been knocked? What, what, what can I do? So you've lost a lot. You're in a hole. You're in an abyss, a very dark bit abyss. With people relying on me too. Absolutely. You're not going to get anywhere by... By so I'll, I'll share a couple of things that have helped me, and what I'm going to share with you is not easy because if you're you already be you already be through it, it's not easy at all. The first thing is you have to own the fact that four people ditched on you, not the other way around. Not everything that happens to us in our life is our fault. In fact, it's the negligence or the false commitments on others or people that are just outright wanting to gossip or whatever it might be. We need to own that and take that burden upon ourselves so that we can get past it and move forward. That's something between you and yourself and how you do that. I'm cool with that, by the way. The I'm chair, absolutely cool with that. You have to own that. The chair yeah. doesn't own me, I own the chair. When I blame the chair, I get nowhere. So I own the wheelchair. And, 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 and so you have to own that. There's an ownership and an accountability piece of that. The second piece, and there's only two that I would that I would share that's helped me out, Laban, with this is you've lost a major percentage of an income that would have helped you that you were you were you were counting on. I would call that a majority loss, ninety percent. If we're going to give it a number, ninety-five percent, maybe ninety-nine, massive loss. You can focus with your time, energy and your synergy on the 99% of your loss the last month or two months that people reneged their, their commitments to you and be absolutely miserable to your family, your friends, your spouse, your wife, God forbid, your wife, your kids, and they will follow that and they'll stay away from dad and they'll because dad's in a funk. Or you can focus on the 1% that you still got going for you. Whatever that is, you got to find that one common ground and watch what happens when you do that. Doesn't mean that all 99% takes care of itself the next day. That's not what happens. But that 1% becomes 1.2, 1.7, 1.9, 2.4, 2.7. And it just incrementally grows. And that is how it's worked for me. 
If I were to focus on all the things that I've lost in my life, I would be miserable and happy and productive and successful. And I would be divorced. And my kids would be today, not because I've mastered it, but because I'm trying to do better. My kids who are now 25 and 23, who are three and one. And then we have two more that we adopted. So Gracie is 19 and Caleb turns 14 today. He's from Ethiopia. Gracie's from Guatemala. The Happy birthday. So, so they say that they're better because of my losses and how they see me try and build something out of nothing that wasn't my fault and necessary. And that gives them the inspiration to go do the same. Now I have a hard time believing that because sometimes I, we're going to get into another topic right here, but it relates. I compare myself to other successful podcasters, other successful authors, other grandpas that can ride horses with my grandbaby that I can't. And when I compare myself to other people, I am miserable, unhappy. It is the stupidest. It's the thief of all joy comparison. So number three is to not compare yourself to others that might have something that you don't. Because you often think to yourself, hey, if I only had what he had or the connections that Russell Brunson has or the, the followers that this podcaster has, then maybe I could really do something with my life. And the reality is that's probably true. But more often than not, that leads you to destruction, divorce, uh, distancing from your kids. But when they see you fighting the, the fight, battling the battle, trying to win the good win and do it the right way, they now will remember in their hours of abyss, and they're going to have them. You know this. Your wife's going to have abyss. Your kids are going to have abyss. Your family, your nieces, your nephews, your parents, they'll know one thing for certain. Hey, Laban can do this. After he can do this, I, I can. I got this knot. I can do this. And that's called legacy. So those three things are what I would share with you and our listeners right there. You have to own it. First step. Number two, you have to focus on 1% that you still have. And I have my shoulders and I got, I think I got a decent head on my shoulders. Of course, my wife argues that with a lot of people, but I, I think I got it. <laughs> and then the third thing is, remember that it, perseverance is an overly used term. I don't like that word. I, it's just, it's just putting all your chips in that 1% that you have and then going building it and, and, and starting over. Hey. I'll tell you this, the best place to start is when you've lost everything. And I think I've lost everything at least three or four times in my lifetime. Some of the greatest entrepreneurs that you and I see on Shark Tank and that we see on other, they've lost it all. They've lost everything. Some of the greatest and most successful monetarily people in the world come from absolutely nothing. Immigrants coming because their parents wanted to give them they take that because they came from nothing and they know what it's like to have nothing. They've lost. They've had the friends that have ditched them. They've had a whole country diss them. They've had civil war, civil unrest. They've had their parents or mom shot and killed. And they end up coming here and creating a legacy for so many other people to follow when they, when they pass away. That, that's what I want to be like. Because when you and I die, we're going to have the same pockets, buddy. I'll probably even be dressed in the same robe. I'm just saying I... I same, same jacket. I don't know if my chest will be shown because it's not as sexy as yours. I'm just saying <laughs> our pockets are going to be the same. What the cool thing is, is the legacy. What did you leave behind? And I think we're going to be judged on that. Judged is a strong word. I'm going to be asked that. It will sound something like this. So how long did you sit? And I'll have to tell him. Uh, there's this thing called football I watched for three or four months and I didn't want to get out of the funk. I just, so much easier to not. But I finally yielded. I yielded and I went. And then the most amazing thing happened after that. I got one opportunity in Las Vegas and I didn't know what I was doing. And he liked it so much that he gave me 40 more. And then after that, it went to a bunch of schools and then it went to a bunch of other corporations. Then I got to go to Sydney and then I got to go to Munich, Germany. I got to go to Paris. I got to go to Bangladesh. Unreal. Bangkok, Thailand. I mean, so 
I'm sorry that I sat for three. I, I sat for 94. I'm so sorry I did that. Thanks for not giving up on me. So that's how the conversation is going to go. Something like that. So That's so great. Well, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Chad, here's the 1% that I can focus on because from a, from a number, from a number amount, it was about 97% financial, right? Of the, of the wipeout. Here's the 3% that I can focus on. I can focus on the fact that I just happen to have right at this crisis moment in my life, one of the greatest ever living all dead or dead motivational speakers, transformational speakers who is equipped with knowledge that can help me and I know people listening to this who are going through similar stuff to what I'm going through will benefit from this. So that's my three percent. Is is that a good place to start? Do you reckon? Yeah, I saw one more. She walked up behind you and she smiled at you, and I don't think you saw the look in her eyes. You've got somebody that loves you to death despite your losses. As soon as we're done with this podcast, I would put the earphones down, throw the microphone aside, and go up to her and just don't tell your lover. Just say thank you. That's it. And it. and you watch what happens to your lady. I'm just saying, despite, and she knows what you're going through. She knows your losses. She's your best friend. That lady looked at you with love in her eyes, and you introduced me to your, your partner, your wife, and you got that, buddy. So the second we're done, because nothing's more important than that. Get rid of the earphones. Get rid of that face and just say, you know what? If we had to start all over for nothing, if I got you, we can conquer the world. And that's that is your number one. I mean, I looked at her. I looked at her face. I looked at the way she looked over at you. She's on the phone. She took him off. She said, "Hi, nice to meet you." And then she looked at you. And I watched that. You got her on your side for this moment, despite you going through a massive abyss loss. Don't want to bag on that. That's your that's your whole rock right there. So I said to you off camera, Chad. I, I said there was a. I was most concerned about you being able to make me cry on this podcast because of the way that you you communicate and you nearly got me. There is there is a few tears in my eyes sitting there, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Thank you, by the way, for that. This is I've this is that, I've learned that myself. I'm not I'm not a marriage counselor. I just know that I need Shondell to know how grateful I am when I. And in dark places, and I find myself in them just like you do, and everybody else does. That I need, I need Shondell. I need that foundation. I need that rock. And she is somebody that's held me up, not just physically, but emotionally, a lot. And I don't know how I'm going to ever repay her. I say that. She says that I am by just keep moving forward. But I want to buy her something. You know, that's just me. I want to <laughs> use something that's. But that's not who she is. She's not wanting a castle. And I don't think your wife is either. As long as she's got you to make her better. So that begs a question. Maybe this is a good way to end this piece, just this piece, is we should ask ourselves, is she better because I'm here with her today or is she not? Is she happier and going to have a better day because I'm going to serve her and maybe it's not about my business. Maybe I'm going to find a way to help her and accomplish some of the things she needs done or... Am I going to do my thing and she's going to do her thing? You and I should ask ourselves that. And I'm, I'm in the office today. When I'm done, today is November 18th. It just so happens that today is my birthday. But I don't want it to be about me. So don't, don't say, I, so I want it to be about her. And so I'm going to take her to lunch. And I want to do some cool things for her. What, what do I want for my birthday? I want her to have the best day of her life today. That's what I want. So she says, no, no, no. What kind of pie do you want? Thank you for asking. Carrot cake, that's your favorite. That's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want. And she, she, she says, you're not listening to me. I said, no, you're not listening to me. You asked me what I wanted. I'm telling you what I want. I want your favorite for my birthday. That's what I want. And so it's this fun little game that we play. But I, I have found greater joy in that than I have ever found in trying to, all right, ah, you know what? How much work can I get done today? And what can we, you know, what can we accomplish? Today? Don't get me wrong. Those things are important. Like, let's be honest. I mean, money is a great motivator and it's not a bad thing. And it's not, it, it's not, it's not the root of all evil. Although that's, it, 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 money can help a lot of people. And it's a great, it's a great motivator. I mean, I'm driven by it. My office staff is driven by it. 
but it's not everything to them. It is not. I mean, they need time with their families. They need to go help their children. They need to have their private time. And so, hey, we hit we hit our goals. We're fine. We're fine. And if we don't hit our goals, we seem to hit them and make up for it pretty soon. So it it just we're it it, it all works out. It all works out. Well, happy birthday, Chad. <laughs> You missed the whole message, but that's all right. I'll, I'll take it with gratitude. I'll take it with gratitude. And I hear what you're saying, and, and uh, my mind is whirring away because, it, it, you know, I read about your wife, and 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 I'm in awe. Um, I, I can't imagine, and I hope I'm never put in a position where I'm forced to even to 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 go what three what she has gone through. But I want to bring this up. You wrote a, a book called "Doing What Must Be Done," and I don't know how many years has this been. This book been out for now. 2011, I think, is when it. So it's we're, we're approaching 11 years. About 11 years. I got to say, uh, you know, I always love to read the books of people that I interview as you know, great way to get to know them and and to be better equipped for a you know much more impactful uh, interview. And I and this brought me to tears a few times. Um, and it's not that I'm a big sissy. I, I uh, I've done a lot of healing and crying in the years leading up to this, but I don't cry as much as I do because I don't have as much stored trauma in my body because it's being dealt with. But this got me. This got me for a number of reasons. And if you haven't read this book, Doing What Must Be Done, you you have to get it. You can get it on, on uh, Amazon, I think. And um, do you sell do you sell the, the signed copies through your office? Because Is yeah. that something where yeah. we can direct yeah. people? Yeah. yeah, there's a stash that's signed here that Leslie has. So There was, there was a gentleman that came to your rescue, for lack of a better word. What was the guy's name, the, the other guy that was a, a speaker? Art, Art Berg. Art Berg, yeah. What significance has, has he played in your life? Well, that was powerful. I mean, that's, a, again, somebody else I had no idea that existed. My dad went to his insurance convention three months prior to my accident in Dallas, Texas, my dad's a top sales rep for his insurance company, was at the time. Uh, and so he and my mom were invited to go to this big gala, this celebration, this three-day party extravaganza in Dallas. That's what it was. And one of the speakers at that event was Art Berg, professional speaker. I didn't know who he was. I didn't even know that he was going to be speaking. I, none of All I know is this. When my dad came home from Dallas, he called me and my younger brothers to go over and have dinner at his house with our spouses to watch this guy's VHS tape. That tells you how long it was. It was a VHS tape. We never made it happen. Too busy. Trying to make money, whatever it was. We just too busy. Three months later, my dad's oldest son would break his neck on a farm and become exactly like Art Berg, who sat in a wheelchair with the same hands. And when I woke up from a coma, my dad wheeled in a TV cart with a VHS player. And I watched it. And after I watched it, he hit rewind. Takes like three minutes to rewind a VHS tape, four minutes. I watched it again. I don't remember what he said. I don't remember the principles that he taught. I was fascinated by his countenance, his attitude, his happiness. He was happy. I was not. His hands looked the same as mine. His body texture, his movement, the way he contorted, the way he shifted to get the weight off his left butt to his right butt, all that, we, we do the same. It was the exact same. We had the exact same level of circumstance. I needed more Art Berg stuff. I wanted more. It was great medicine. So my dad called up his office in Salt Lake, which is where I was hospitaling. I, he was from Salt Lake. Kind of how this all happened. Very, very, very small world. Very unique. My dad called up his secretary, her name was Donnie, and ordered everything that guy had. The very next day it arrived via Art Berg himself. So this guy is not just a busy guy out flying and speaking, and this guy will come for the single soul that he doesn't know, the stranger, to serve. He wheeled his chair into my room without being announced, uninvited. And when I saw his face, I knew exactly who he was, and I just lost it. He told me to stop crying. 
he transferred himself to my bed and he started to declothe. He wasn't doing that in a perverted way. He was showing me what could be done if I were to. So I watched him do this. He didn't stay there very long. I mean, I mean, maybe 15, 20. He didn't stay long at all. But he got his jeans down, showed me his long johns and how he cathed and used the restroom and just showed me some personal things and talked to Shondell and I. And he was gone. I mean, that, that was it. Left us a big bag full of tapes and books and all sorts of stuff. He was gone. And after I got out of the hospital, he came out to the ranch. He brought his two kids with him and, and his wife. We took him out on a hayride and saw the, I remember that was, I remember that like it was yesterday. That was so cool. We went to his house, met Dallas, his wife, and their two kids, Kenzie and Dalton. And that's when I saw his office. And I, that's when I really found out this guy was a speaker. I mean, that's what he did. He, ironic how I would come into this form, but, but I never wanted to, you know, take the pastor later on as well. But I went to his house and, but I wasn't intrigued by it. I didn't want to be a speaker. I just kind of, that's cool. That's great. You know, I'm, Still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And suicide seems pretty friendly right now, but that's <laughs> kind of where I was at. And Art invited us to go to Hawaii, Shondell and I, as the Ravens in 2002. They won the Super Bowl. And that was Ray Lewis's number 52 his first year. And he also made the Pro Bowl that year. Art was a consultant for the Baltimore Ravens. So Art and Dallas flew to Hawaii with Shondell and I as their guests. And I got pictures of me with Ray Lewis, me and Art Berg. I watched Art speak. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. We had front row seats. We had box seats to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. That was February 16th, 2002. That's when that happened. We returned home on February 18th. And on February 19th is when I got the news that Art Berg passed away in his sleep. Another catalyst. I've never lost somebody like that before. I mean, somebody that was really, that I admired. I, I haven't lost, you know, one of my parents. I hadn't lost. So I went out here to the ranch outside the office here and started wheeling down the road. and Just mad. How could you take this good individual from the, I mean, how, how could that be? How, it doesn't make sense. And that's when it hit me. It's all kind of happened about the same time. Maybe you should go thank those people at the church house. I mean, it all kind of happened just right at the same. I can't explain it. I, I cannot. And so then it just kind of took off after that. So art was a catalyst in what I do today. His picture hangs right over here in my office. And I got a signed autograph photo, a poster of him. And yeah, so it's amazing. It's almost like the changing of the guard. Yeah. In many ways, right? I don't think I'll, I, I did talk to, you know, I, I pray. I, I wanted to fill some shoes that could never be filled. I wanted to help fill some shoes that could never fully be filled. And so, you know what? When I think about it like that, like he did the changing of the guard, I'm okay with that. Not that I'm trying to take over what he did or share his stories or his message, but his work needs to continue. And if that's me doing that, I'm all in. I'll jump all over. Well, speaking of which, Chad, and, and thank you for sharing that story. I, I loved, I loved reading about that, and and I know people love reading about it too. Um, how do people find you? Um, if you just type in my name in your um, browser, you can see a bunch of free videos for your kids, your coworkers, your family members, and it's just Chad Hymas, C H A D H Y M A S. That's a good place to get a bunch of free material or see kind of what my messages are that I share. As far as I can tell, there's only one Chad Hymas that comes up when you punch that into a browser, by the way. And if there's another one, well, <laughs> you'll pretty quickly figure it out, right? That should pop right up. It should pop right there. Chad, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? Just remember, I think the most important takeaway today was what Laban said about his dark abyss and what can he do? And he made a commitment. And if you remember, one of his biggest hangups was the lack of commitment that others did to him. But he committed to all of us that, that were listening today that he was going to set the microphone down and put the ear, earphones aside 
and go say two words to his his rock. And so I'm not saying that to commit labor, but I think every one of us could learn from him. We need to do that immediately. Whatever you're doing right now, stop after you hear this podcast and you find someone to add value to. For Laban, that's going to be his spouse. Um, I'm going to wish my son a happy birthday here as soon as we're done. He's from Ethiopia. He's got beautiful dark skin. You'll see him when you look up my name. He's just a gorgeous little boy. He's the only boy left at home, the only kid left at home. Um, And I'm excited to celebrate his day. He got to pick his own birthday. Because there was no birth certificate, so he picked mine. Kind of ironic how that all happens, but so uh, I, you know, this is a day about him, and I'm excited to share it with. Him. So, rem- I think that's our takeaway from today: is remember his biggest glitch was lack of commitment. He made a commitment with us. Don't you be the one that lacks on your commitments as well? And if you don't have a commitment, make one right now and go do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Chad Hymas. Seven days a week and 24 hours. Yup, I got the business saying this one sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got the superpowers. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this if you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S dot com.